All right, so Salafalava Malod Sofu Mama Malilangi Mama, and thank you so much for joining us, everyone. I am here with Leo, um, who I follow on Instagram because I'm a newbie here in Sydney. So I thought, well, let me follow all the cool people. Um, and Leo is definitely one of them. Um, I follow this guy on Instagram, so I see the amazing work that he does in the community, and I would love to hear all about it and share it with you all. So, Leo, thank you for joining us. Salafalava. Salafalava Malod Sofu Mangwea. It's lovely to be here. Thank you so much. All right, so be- before we begin, um, Leo, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I'm Samoan. I was born in Auckland, uh, South Auckland, uh, Middlemore Hospital. Um, I grew up in New Zealand um, for my first 19 years of my life, and um, I went to uh, Holy Cross Primary School, Papatoi Toi, and then to De La Salle College. When I turned 19, I came to Sydney, Australia, in 1988. Um, But that's interesting that you said that you're from South Auckland. I'm also from South Auckland myself. Um, And you went to De La Salle College. I went to Macaulay High School. So, Oh, that's our our sister school. (laughs) Exactly. We're we're practically related. Um, So that's cool, cool. Um, And so what villages do you represent? Okay, my... um, On my father's side, my um, father's father's family... um, He's from Samakau, and they are related to the um, Saatuimaleali Fano family, uh, the the big family. And um, on my father's mother's family, he's um, my father's mother's from Falise La Lefanga. And my mother's family on my mother's mother's side, they're from Tanunga Manono and Wafaku Fangaloa. And then on my mother's father's family, they're from Salani um, and Salsa Kele Faleali. So that's where my ancestors are from. Born in New Zealand, now a resident here in Sydney, Australia. Yeah, what, what brought you to Sydney in the first place? Uh, my father was uh, kind of like a deacon and a preacher in Auckland Samoan Catholic community. Uh, he was the head mm-hmm. of the um, St. Therese Mangri East um, Sunday School and Bible classes, and he ran the Catholic Bible classes with the um, the couple stars, the nuns there. Uh, so he did a lot of time in the um, 70s, 80s, and um, retired and came to Sydney, Australia. And so we followed him over here. Yeah. And so um, yeah, he was yeah. meant to retire from all of the Catholic church stuff. But he ended up with um, his friends and other many other people in Sydney, Australia, starting up the uh, Samoan Catholics here in Sydney, Australia. So, you know, they like to um, set up their churches, their legacies, and bring the word of the Lord through the Catholic Church. Um, yeah, so he was yeah. meant to retire here. He didn't. <laughs> so, you know, got heavily yeah. involved in the Samoan Catholics here. Yeah, yeah. I'm Catholic so myself as well, yeah, I'm, I'm Catholic myself. My family is both sides are Catholic, very staunch Catholics. Um, and I used to work around the, I used to work around um, at Saint Mary uh, Saint Mary MacKillop School in Mangere. So um, oh, okay. I'm very I'm very familiar with Saint Therese in Mangere East. Actually, I was I received my um, not Holy Communion. What did I get? Uh, my confirmation from Father Felice, who is the parish okay. priest of. Yeah, so so I'm yeah. very familiar with the community. Surprised we haven't yeah. met before. Yeah, oh, well, we left in 88, but my um, father and a lot of the um, Samoan Catholics at that time um, were um, building capacity for the 
Catholic community and what they were doing in those days that it was run by two French Samoan speaking um, uh, priests, um, Bakilengili and Bakileuko. And um, I, I guess a lot of the Samoan elders at that time, including my father and them, wanted the transition from Samoan, Samoans, born in Samoa, um, to come over and bringing them over to um, to New Zealand and to Sydney, Australia. So I guess that was, that's what their legacy was, and it's flourishing yeah. now in New Zealand and in, and in Australia. Tell us about uh, some of the work that yep. you do in the creative space, um, because I follow you again on uh, I follow you on Instagram, like I said before. So I'd love to hear more about that. Okay, um, so I played um, for uh, the Cronulla Sharks in my earlier years, and um, I ran away from that and um, did a lot of youth works. Um, looking um, at that time, I was working in the city, Redfern, working with Aboriginal communities. And then I started um, trying to find out how can my work um, affect more people. So I kind of like gravitated more to the arts. And I've been working within the arts and culture space here in Sydney, Australia, for probably over two, nearly three decades. And um, my yeah. area is in uh, creative producing and curatorial, and I specialize in Pacific yeah. contemporary art. So I've been around a lot of the um, capacity builders for Pacific contemporary art here, um, producers, uh, creative producers, cultural workers, and artists for a long time. Uh, worked with a lot of Pacific communities with uh, regional galleries um, like Campbelltown, Kasula Powerhouse Art Center, out to the southwest mm. and west, and then we have in the greater west, uh, Blacktown, Cumberland. There's so many art centres, but I work now uh, with the marquees in the city, Museum of Contemporary Art, Art Gallery in New South Wales, and I work with um, the Powerhouse Museum. I sit on a lot of different um, um, boards for the arts, and, um, yeah, just building capacity for Pacific communities. So I started yeah. out curating for six to seven years and then, yeah, uh, around arts and culture and community. And um, in New Zealand, it's, it's vibrant and it's innovative and creative. It's a smaller um, city in the country there. Over here, it's spread out a lot more. But um, 20 years ago, you could almost count the um, visual artists, performing artists on one hand. Um, you know, back when I started we used to bring over a lot of the big, well, they weren't big then, like Oscar Kitely and that Pacific mm -hmm. Underground. I noticed in New Zealand they're doing um, the um, Dawn Raids. So we brought out Oscar um, and Pacific Underground. That's when Fuluwake Paulo was alive and he came with the tour and then they tattooed um, Scribe's dad on stage. Mm -hmm. And so my job was, you know, liaising um, and bringing over people from New Zealand back in the early days. There was a Pacific Wave uh, Festival, 96, 98, 2000. That was a biannual festival. And we brought out in the 96, like about 100 performers from New Zealand, uh, from Neil Iremaya, um, I forgot, sorry, I might get their names wrong. Um, 
Pacific Underground, uh, um, you know, quite a lot. There's there's yeah. so many, including academics like Sean Mellon, uh, Anton Carter, who was Create New Zealand, um, uh, cultural advisor. Yeah, so there's there's a massive history over the last two decades of um, partnerships between Create New Zealand and cultural facilities here. And my job is to kind of like work with the cultural facilities to assist in bringing people over and then managing them while they're here and then creating things. So it's gone full circle again. It's We're about to take on the next sort of, um, you know, programs building capacity here, which to me, um, I kind of like see Australia and New Zealand as one, is one, you know, where people all in Moana, where mm. we're all of these different people from Moana living in New Zealand or living in Australia. And so what we're trying to do is work with Create New Zealand and work with Create New South Wales here in Australia Council to build capacity for our artists. Uh, back in the days, you know, and probably to an extent today, the arts, um, you know, if you if you tell your parents you're going to become an artist, that's, mm. that's like, what the, you know, we didn't come from Samoa, da-da-da, for you to come and be an artist. We want you to be a doctor, a lawyer, and all mm. of this, you know. So I guess that's what my parents used to say to me, you know, 30 years ago, except for my mum. Her family, they're all doctors, and she said, never, don't be a doctor or a lawyer, get a BA. And we were a BA, BA, what's a BA? And... We used to joke with mum back in the days and we said, we now know what a BA is. It's a blow ass. And she used to chase us around with the, with the salu, you know. But um, funny enough, I ended up in the arts. So I, I guess I made my mum happy. Um, you know, my dad was pretty, pretty good. So my job really for the next, you know, 10, 20, 30 years is continue to build capacity for our people. What does that look like? Um, it's, you know, within the arts, it's 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 European centric, and it's a it's a language that our people in New Zealand artists, creatives use to communicate stories and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm really into that area, and really into assisting artists um, understand um, the the sector literacy. Uh, what is arts? What does it do? Where's the funding? How do you apply? What kind of art forms are there? And all of that sort of stuff. Awesome. No, that's awesome, Leo. Um, I am just wondering, because you've talked a lot about Pacific um, talent across from New Zealand and all across Sydney, um, I'm just wondering, is there a market for Pacific talent that's uh, outside of the Pacific community, if that makes sense? So, like, are there other cultures who are actually interested in us? Uh, I guess... Um... Generally, I'll answer the question generally and then go specifically. Uh, yeah. there, in Australia, um, unbeknown to the majority of the people, uh, we're, we're actually in the East Pacific, and it, it's almost like we're in Europe or England or, or something. So uh, there's in the early days, the first migration to Pacific Islanders to Australia was um, Solomon Island and Vanuatu who were Blackburned, taken by as, as slaves. And so they were the first migration. We're the second migration. Um, and so there's a, we're of Pacific Island people here, Polynesians make up 
um, the majority, the fair majority, probably 80%. And um, the interest has really grown, especially visually for on the rugby, on TV for rugby league. Uh, you know, over 53% of the players are Pacific Islanders, Māori and Pacific Islanders. So generally, yeah, the, the, the whole country see our people quite a lot visually. And um, what, we're, what we're doing is building capacity in the arts. And, and yeah, we're getting much more visible, not only in rugby league, but in different areas. It's only just notice, noticeable because rugby league's on quite a lot. So our images are on there quite a lot. But in terms of our culture and that, there seems to be a gap in understanding who we are uh, or, you know, what they tend to do outside us is homogenize us into one big basket and that, oh, uh, Melanesians are Polynesians, you know, that's what it comes across as. So there's a lot of interest in, in Māori and Pacific Island. And I think within Polynesia here too, we're starting to realize that, hey, we're not Pacific Islanders as well. You know, we're only one part of it. There are, um, you know, Melanesian and Micronesian people here and they make up the full Pacific. So yeah, we're 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 making a lot of visibility through sports, um, and I guess through business and through arts and culture, and in different ways as well. So, I guess there was more of a migration that come over as um, as jobs and then New Zealand jobs drop, the dollars drop, Australia become looks more like the place to go to, like um, for for families that are looking to have different lifestyles and, yeah. you know, really um, give themselves more options. I guess there's been massive um, movement from the early 90s uh, to Australia from New Zealand and then from the uh, 2000s directly from Samoa, Tonga or Fiji or wherever it is. But there's massive growing population here uh, yeah. in Sydney or Pacific Islanders. So, yeah. There's massive interest here. Yeah, no, of course. Like, I understand that because I've done a few Pacific Studies papers back in school, like when I was at Auckland Uni. Um, and it was even interesting to me when I realised that the Pacific Islands as a whole is actually split up into different different groups. And I don't think everyone realises that, which is, um, yeah. yeah, no, which is really cool. And I'm, I'm glad that there yeah. is interest because there's so much um, Pacific Island talent, especially coming over from New Zealand, um, because I don't really know many Pacific Islanders here, apart from the ones that are actually from New Zealand, like friends of mine that I knew from back home. Was that the, the same for you when yeah. you first moved over, or did you already have a, quite a, a supportive community here? Yeah, I guess um, when we came, you know, you, there's not many people, um, but we went through that stage. But today, it's it's quite different. But that's what I mean by how big Sydney is. It's so big that if, yeah, you, it, I, I guess when I look at it from the arts perspective as well, when we look at the kind of like, when you try and think about Pacific Islanders as arts in the arts sector, uh, what I've found is that half of them are from New Zealand that just come over in the last, you know, like, uh, one year, two year, five year to 10 years. 
And so the ones that just come in the last one year, two year, three year, four year, five years, and as artists, you know, when they come over, they seem to be in the southwest west or wherever they are, they um they lack the um the literacy of the sector. It's and so they've just left one place where they were um under Create New Zealand and then when they come here as artists, you know, they wherever they are they they find it hard to connect and it's difficult too because there's um not much options there in terms of new zealanders coming to stay here you can't apply to new south wales arts you can't apply to australia federal arts from um from sydney australia you're new zealand born with a new zealand passport you can only yeah. apply to um off-site um to create new zealand so in the same way medicare in a sense you know there's all of these sort of restrictions and that yeah so i'm only talking about that from uh, the arts perspective in terms of artists and creators that i noticed that there's a not only increase in artists of um, australian born pacific island maori and pacific islanders but there's also this big gathering of uh, new zealand migrants who happen to be artists that are looking and they find their way to events that other Pacific artists or creatives or cultural workers like myself put on. And then they find out through word of mouth, then they connect on social media, then they're able to see what's happening for Pacific Islanders right across the whole sector, whether it's out southwest and the greater west or in the inner city. Yeah, on on that level. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah, you... That's that's what happened to us. Ultimately, you you end up finding out, you know, churches, um, sports groups, or social groups, or sivas, or uh, mm -hmm. acts that are coming over from New Zealand. There's quite a lot of things happening. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's always it's always so nice to um, see Pacific artists coming coming over to Australia because you, as you would know, um, you know, Pacific Island events such as Polyfest, um, you know. What's that one in Tauranga? Well, it used to be called Ragamuffin. Now it's called something else. One, that they love, get or... one love, one love. You know, those are very like popular. And I was just wondering how popular it was here in um, Sydney. But like you're saying, there was quite a bit of interest, which is which is always yeah. lovely. Yeah. Um. What inspired you to do the work that you do? Because you mentioned before you were a professional uh, rugby league star, which is awesome. Um. But so, what inspired you to get into the arts? But like, where did the interest come from? I guess. Um initially you know when i left football um i went into working with aboriginal people in the city um as a day person that looked after kids and the thing then i did radio then i teach um english to the kids i guess when i sat on the corner of the street of redfern and i looked at all the aboriginal people and i looked at the daily lives and the daily struggle that they had in my mind i was thinking oh my god is this going to happen to us over here with our people and i just sat there and this was in like 92 93 and then i said to myself i, I hope this doesn't but there's a good chance that there'll be pockets of this poverty of our people around. And so there were quite a lot of issues, you know, generally to do with our people with transitioning into living a life in the diaspora and all of that from, um, you know, financial issues, social issues, 
or families or whatever, and that people either you know have good relations with their family or family breakdown and then poverty. So I'm really interested in in on one hand is that what was happening to the Aboriginal communities um, yeah. here in the areas that I worked in, and trying to think um, and thinking if this was to happen to our people, how could we? How could we do something about it in the lifetime that we have? So I started wanting to um, make my work, whatever that was, looking after people or feeling um, to to make conversation. And then I chose art because art was a way for me, um, you know, when you don't practice your language all the time and all of that, you feel disconnected and stuff. So yeah. um, having the uh, ability to, initially I was interested in for art making for myself, but then I got into more producing and working and delivering stuff for artists and for artist communities. So uh, there's a lot of things that, um, that influenced me into it, but I, I guess the main tenets is wanting to create messages um, in this Eurocentric art form way as another language for our dispossessed or dysfunctional cultural, you know, if you don't know how to speak your language, how can you communicate? So I was really taken by art making uh, and contemporary art. Um, and so I just followed that line. And then I gradually, I, I started working by chance, um, my partner was a curator out at uh, Penrith Regional Gallery. Um, so, you know, I used to hang artworks and I used to look at the artworks and I just, I never really looked into it deep enough. But then as I kept coming to these spaces and it was always quiet and peaceful. So I really liked that. And so uh, one, it was quiet and peaceful. Two, there's something on the wall talking to me. I want to see if I can talk back to it or I want to see what happens there. And so at first as hanging artwork, you're just doing a job and hanging it up. And then, you know, there's circumstances that happen. And what happened was one day, unbeknown to myself and another Samoan friend that I came to help me install an art gallery um, at the um, Jewish Women's Center in Wallara um, here, we were standing on tables, hanging up photos, standing on tables, hanging on things, you know, doing all of this stuff. And then when there was a delivery of a box that had the catalogs in there, and then when we opened, me and my Samoan friend opened the catalog and started reading the things, and we would go, oh, my God, we were just walking over the table that's $100,000 with our boots and everything. So we started to get dive deeper into the artwork and we say, hey, these things are 100,000, that one's 60,000, that one's 80,000. So naturally in your mind is thinking, can we can we do this? Can, can, can our people do this? And then the next connection for me was when I went to an art space and then I said, hey, that looks like a Pacific or Maori thing. Let's have a look at, you know. So one thing led to another and it builds the momentum within me and then by the time I under, started to understand where I was at what all of this stuff is and how it could be used for our people I, I guess it's like that same thing for artists Maori and Pacific Island artists in New Zealand they're using it 
to um, tell stories. So I like, one, telling stories. Two, if you can make money from it. So I used to sit at home about in the, in the early days, and I had 50 cents in my pocket. And I said to myself, all right, I'm going to be an artist or I'm going to be a creative producer, but I've only got 50 cents in my pocket. So I'm going to jump online and I'm going to look at, hey, what is this? Oh, there's literature, there's um, uh, visual arts. So I went onto the websites of the arts funding bodies and worked out what type of art forms they are. And then because I had 50 cents in my pocket, I realized that the only one I can do is literature. So I got the pen and the paper out and I started saying to myself, all right, I'm not going to ask anyone to help me become an artist or whatever. I'm just going to ordain myself as a writer. And then I'm going to tell everyone from now on I'm a writer. So that's how I started. And then lo and behold, because I had traveled around different places and talked to people in the art space, and told them that I was a writer, people got interested and they said, oh, so you write? And I said, yep, I sure do. <laughs> and so I was just writing stories. Um, yeah, so I was, uh, I've done a lot of um, things within the arts as an artist and a creative producer and a curator. So uh, I was kind of like producer curator heavy as a bread and butter thing that I'll continue to do. But I've, I had to, within the last 20 years, put my desires to be an artist away. But I've dabbled in playwriting. So I've written plays for Playwright Australia. And I toured some plays and to the world's, um, the, the, um, to Toronto. One of my plays got into, um, I devised it with uh, three other guys, but we made it into the world, New World Stage. Um, for Indigenous shows, and then in the Sydney Festival, which is the biggest festival here, um, my play that I wrote was um, the director for the entire festival, an Irish guy who did the Irish Festival, Fergus Callahan. He um, he wrote in the Sydney Morning Herald and stuff that the best um, part of all the programs is two shows one Elvis Costello and a play that I wrote with my friends called Back Home. And um, from there, things went up. Uh, and um, I wrote another play for Playwright Australia and they wanted me to put my play on at the Belvoir, the leading like theatre company here. But um, that same week, I was offered to take on Pacific programs at Kasula Powerhouse. Mm. Uh, so I stayed there for seven years put all the plays away and like about four years ago when I resigned from there, the play was still on my computer. So I'm looking to do my play. But in the early years when um, Oscar Kitely and that came over, I looked after them as their um, producer when they were here. So I've been in contact with um, Oscar and Chimpel and and Yaheto Ahi and all of the um, all the um, Tanya Muangututia and her sisters and everyone. I, I know them very well because when they came here, I took them to my house and everything. They were pleasantly surprised that there was a Samoan guy looking after them. And I took them around and, um, you know, in, introduced them to the communities and that I've had good relations. I brought over um, Yahetu, uh, his actual Tukaloan play, and yeah. Oscar Cotley was the director. So I brought them over back and forward. 
that's kind of like how I see my role um, is to, you know, help and enhance more activity. So I'm currently working for the Museum of Contemporary Art, um, building up a um, relationship or partnership with the National Rugby League. And then I'm working with the Art Gallery in New South Wales. Um, they've got a massive infrastructure spend of 380 million. They built built this big building, um, art, another art facility. And um, I'm working on doing the um, finale for the big opening. And um, yeah, it's, it's all Pacific. So I'm kind of like seen as the Pacific guy, but I don't want to be just seen as Pacific guy. I work across diverse community as well. I program for them. I work on, you know, I've done a lot of, too many things, to be honest, I can't even remember the things I do. I have to build a website just to use the website to remember things. Because, you know, um, yeah. the, the majority of my work, the people who know what I do, they, they tend to be ready for me. But I come across quite a lot of activity of people, um, you know, wanting me to do things for them, for the community. Uh, I, um, I'm special projects manager for... Um, for the Fonor New South Wales here, uh, Samoa Council, and I helped assist the team to uh, do Samoa Day. We had over 15,000 Samoans there. We had over 50 stores. The Samoa Day is the biggest cultural festival for Pacific Islanders in the whole country. Uh, we're 50% uh, plus of Pacific Islanders, as I was saying. And so when we put, uh, you know, the Samoans will always turn up to Samoa Day on the Queen's weekend on Monday. Everybody knows that. So they're really ready to go and do their stalls, you know, arts and crafts. So next year is the second year and there's a lot of things going for the, on for Samoa Day. There's big things going on. I can't really say it now, but we've, we've kind of like sealed the deal for the next three years with a major sponsor for that. So, um, we're really happy that we're going to build capacity further for the Samoan communities. We really want to integrate um, live music and, you know, the, the stuff that we've celebrated on the past on the stages is, uh, is really good. It's church stuff, you know, old locals from Efakasa, Methodist, all of that sort of stuff. And then we have home um, hobbyist sort of stuff. But what we're looking to do is to create a main stage like a main festival, like One Love, like all of those for our... Um, if you notice here, when you look at who's doing well in live music and the scene, we obviously have one four within the drill music, but there's more than one four. We've got so many, like Rebecca Hatch is um, Aboriginal Samoan, Samoan Aboriginal, you know, in, this, in the Balangi spaces that we work at, when I go around to work and deal with all these major institutions, one of the key things that they talk to me about and for me to help assist them with is um, creating safe spaces is, is a major thing here because, in short, they're dominated by Balangis and, um, and that they want diversity and, you know, for our Pacific people, we're part of that diversity. We're part of the new five, uh, fabric of culture here. And that uh, what, what's looking or what's ahead of us 
for Australia people generally is to have a much more hands-on insight into our culture, not not the superficial stuff on the surface where Channel 9 Rugby League, you know, it's almost like jovial. It's almost, you know, but there, there's no deeper, there's no deeper exchange of who we are and what we stand for, you know, and I think dealing and working with the NRL with a lot of things that I do, that's, uh, you know, whether it's the NRL, whether it's Rugby Australia, uh, women or men, whether it's in the arts and culture, what we're looking to assist the um, the main apparatus of of the structure within all of these things, the people being dominated, 80% of them are Paalangi. So it, it, it's now a, a place and a space where we're sharing true culture. Who are we? What what do we do, you know? So people are always hitting the top of the surface. It's been like that for 20 to 30 years. But right across all sectors is there is a need for us to exchange with the other cultures of Australia who we are. And that, like I say, like visually people are seeing us as Pacific Islanders through sports where there's more commercial visibility. But... um uh, within business, culture, health, education, religion, and all of these different areas, there is a need for us to start educating others about ourselves and that um, we can speak for ourselves too. <laughs> yeah, that is awesome. Yeah, I mean, you, you just with everything that you've shared, you come across, I would describe you like on my podcast as a creative entrepreneur um, because you, it just sounds like you've done so many things. And I've actually met Oscar Kitely and Yeto um, in person. I, I haven't, I've interviewed um, Yeto, is that how you say his name? Yeah, 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 I've interviewed him on a panel that I uh, where I collaborated with um, Levar, where I got to interview a panel of six people, and he was actually one of them. Um, and Oscar Kitely and Tewila Blakely came to one of my old um, yes. podcast uh, talk shows back in the day. So I where I interviewed Tewila Blakely. So it's just they're amazing people. Um, what are some of the plans? So you've mentioned that there, uh, you know, you've got a lot of um, things going in, in the pipeline for the Samoan community. Um, so I, I'm just interested in your playwriting. I love going to theatre shows. It's something that I enjoy doing. I do it all the time back home at the Mangere Art Centre, um, and I go to all the community shows there. So I'm interested to know if you are planning on reviving one of your plays, because I'd be so keen to come. Um, yeah, so the play that I wrote for Playwright Australia uh, sat on my computer for a long time. I kind of like, to be honest, I have to spend more time about building capacity for others rather than myself all the time. But I yeah. always, in my quiet time, always, you know, I feel like I have to follow through. If I'm going to be talking to people about um, playwriting and how it's good for you and this and that and that, um, I have to do it myself to rinse myself through it so I can come back around and say, all right, this is what was good about it. This was the thing. So there's kind of like an ABC that I've kind of like worked out in terms of uh, building capacity for our people and then as individuals in terms of the area of playwriting and stuff. One, you should always write and write from your heart. And um, if you can, you know, learn about playwriting, just the fundamentals, um, you know, um, about uh, 
writing um, ideology or learning how to playwright. All right, you can just learn that stuff. It's you know online or anywhere or in these institutions. But I guess at the end of the day, it has to be. I guess because I've had twenty years of experience to experience it. Um, cultural institutions and facilities are not going to do Pacific stuff all the time. That's just a given. As much as I would like them to, and I'm pushing institutions to increase their their um, programming, increase that. You know, if they ask me how we build capacity for Pacific, easy. Just invest the money and empower us, and then we'll take it from there. Yeah. But um, back to playwriting, like for me, I, you know, I always wanted to tell stories. Uh, um, it just came from within. Uh, I guess it's from my experience being Samoan and traveling from here. Um, from New Zealand to here. The ABC for me is believe in yourself, believe in the stories that you write, and remember that the cultural facilities and other people may not see the value of your work for whatever reason. That does not stop you, if you want to be a playwright, um, move to the next step. The next step is start to look at things from an entrepreneur right? So on the left side, you've got playwriting, you're going to write your play, you're going to do all of that. But over on the right side is the sustainability and stuff. So from having 20 years now, I don't really, I don't feel that I'm going to go through the um, cultural facilities. I'm just telling them, oh, how much does the venue cost? <laughs> I want to book it out. I'm going to go and tell all my cousins, and I'm going to cast my cousins in it. From that, my cousins, we're all going to sell tickets, you know. I think the more that we move towards a, a, a proper sustainable model and start doing that for individuals ourselves, you know, if we see people doing it, go and support them. We've got a lot of people like Taufia Palis, um, Palis, uh Taufia is Tokaloan guy, works with Motu or um, with Matavai in that. Sophia Palisasa, um, he's a playwright, filmmaker, um, guy. he's doing big things, you know, I just see him getting it, you know, and in the same way, all I'm saying is, yeah, when you go into it, exhaust all avenues in terms of cultural facilities, grants and all of that, but don't hold your breath, you know, go in, go out there, use, use what you got, you got a lot of family, you know, Samoan's got massive families. If you tell them you're writing a play, you know, give your aunties here. You've got to sell 20 tickets, you know, this people, you know. And to make it happen or else, you know, what happens is we tend to get short-circuited by the system. Uh, and that when you look at it, when we rinse all our plays through everything, oh, there wasn't even an Islander on the assessment panel for your play or all of that. It just got thrown in the rubbish. They talk about um, diversity and, and inclusion and all of that. But we have to be real about what that actually means. What that yeah. actually means is there's Balangi people that's going to read it. It, sound, it doesn't sound good to them, but it sounds awesome to you. And so that's what I'm saying. Don't let that um, be. Don't let that stop you from doing stuff. If you want to write plays, write them, get some assistance in writing them, bounce them off your friends, but be an entrepreneur about it and do it the hard road first. Or if you go the other way, it's going to take years and years. It could even kill your need or your desire to be a playwright. So, so 
uh, a lot of our um, things are important. When I wrote my play, we got offered about $3 million to make it into a film. And then because the processes that they were coming back to us, we rejected it. We rejected being stars back then, you know, because we need to do it in a, in a way that it's not so much the money, it's, it's the, it's the journey along the way, the people that you meet. It's about getting the stories out in our way, in our Samoan way, and um, and having our Samoan people engage us in that way, within yeah. the context of the the Balangi structures around us. So my advice to art artists or expire, um, you know, emerging and new artists is to um, be very. Uh, creative and innovative about your approach and don't go through the ABC of the Balangi, go through the ABC of the Samoa and uh, it will be a much more entertaining ride and then, yeah. and then lo and behold you will end up, the Balangis will be chasing you after that mm. you know? so yeah. it's almost like filmmaking you've got to have a proof of concept you know, and then your proof of concept you have to rinse it into uh, social media to to engage you know so you can prove all of this i guess writing a play and doing it within your community is the proof of concept and then yeah. you've got a stronger foot to stand on as an emerging and new artist in a in a highly competitive uh area where there's so many diverse communities that know how to write grants and where we probably don't specialize in grant writing yeah, no, hundred percent, and I and I think it's really important that you mentioned, um, you know, taking the ABC, the Pacific Island or Samoan Pacific Island way, um, and the reason why that's that's amazing for me to hear is because it's so important for. I mean, we're we're quite uh, tech savvy, skill savvy these days. We, you know, we can speak English very well. We've been raised in this in this society, so um, taking that power back and creating our own success is something so important, not just for creative entrepreneurs or creatives, but for Pacific Island business owners as well, in my opinion. So it's really, thank you for mentioning that because it's really important. But I also think it's really great that you mentioned that um, uh, Pacific creatives need to have that more sustainable model um, only because I feel like we've got so much creative talent, but not many people are very comfortable talking about money, uh, you know, marketing themselves, networking, you know, it's just, I feel like creative talent is great, but even better if you if you knew how to run your business, if you know what yeah. I mean. Yeah. And, and especially for the new artists as well, um, you know, it, it, it helps. One other thing tied to that is um, is the autonomy or the creativity. You know, yeah. the last thing you want to be told is, oh, no, you know, and that's why we didn't take on the, the whole film and hand our work over to these people yeah. because at the end of the day, they were going to change everything around and it, it, it wasn't in the spirit of how it was written and why it was written. And mm -hmm. I would rather just wait for another 20 years for, for another opportunity. But if the opportunity didn't come around, you know, I, I prefer to have my cultural integrity and that, you know, to work within the, the, the local community and build myself up and build, our, our our people into into the product especially my family you know so one thing is the copyright you know the intellectual property you know when i see oscar in them you know they obviously do really well you know they've been in there for a long time so they understand the ropes but for um new and emerging uh, people within writing and film 
you know uh, my advice is to really look at um, what you've got around you in terms of your family and your your peers and work together to build concepts and proof of concepts in terms of film and then concepts for plays um, yeah and that's as I said I only had 50 cents in my pocket and I, mm. I chose literature because I had a pen and a paper and so I just sat there day and night and you know what I wrote about everything that I wrote was disguised it was all about me my family and everything and so all the stories like you know, I learned so many things from seeing Oscar and um, and um, Pacific Underground come. And I, prior to that, I had seen a lot of Balangi, um theatre and a lot of stuff. And so when I saw, oh, man, these islanders, they're, they're, they're actually doing it. They're here in front of me and they're doing it. And um, I guess, you know, they had a massive team of people supporting each other. And that's what we need is that we need create support teams for ourselves easy said and done but you um from my experience you have to choose your people very uh wisely you know yeah. you don't want to just go open out and then your ideas and then find out oh everybody else has got ideas too you know like if you do something in association with other pacific people choose the right people it's best to work with people that you know that's not going to let you down on one side or challenge your artistic license or creativity. I think that's an area that you have to know very, know yourself. And so a lot of things for me to build capacity for Pacific Islanders here, I got to build myself and then I got to build me and my close networks to build a strong team to move in. In, into these spaces and um yeah so there's a lot of good things happening here um i'm um contracted to the powerhouse museum for the next three years and working on some major projects for the opening in 2025 i'm actually on the powerhouse museum alliance um that's all the big people talking money i don't know how i got onto this um thing Everyone's a major developer. They're building $2 billion things. And all I'm trying to do is find a space for our people to <laughs> to reside in. So I guess I'm happy to be there because I can see opportunities. And when I get asked a lot by a lot of the directors about Pacific stuff, you know, it's the ABC. We need a space, you know. We need a space for people um, uh Pacific Island creators to come together and do it, as I say, in our way. They say, what's our way? I say, well, let me describe your way. Your way is individuals. You guys are handing money to Maori and Pacific Islanders who are individuals who are going to contest grants, right? Yeah. That's individuals. What I'm saying is that our cultures, we come from, uh, we come from working together, talking together, you know, and that... Uh, I was talking to the MCA staff about um, building uh, capacity for uh, Pacific Islanders at the Museum of uh, Contemporary Art. And that, you know, I said to them, yeah, in, in, in the system and the sector that we know it is that our people apply to the funding bodies um, to attain funds to make work, to research work or to do conferences, da, da, da. Um, a lot of it's done in a Western way. 
And so what we want to do is, as a kind of like a laboratory um, uh, experiment, is to look at what then was our way and how can our way, um, how can we show another way to work with our people, you know, as opposed to the um, status quo that is now as individuals. So, yeah, the, we're looking at all of those. We're looking at possibilities, models. A lot of the things, the First Nations here, um, they're very into uh, truth-telling, you know, and that's what's happening now, truth-telling, um, especially in terms of historic um, stolen generation, genocide, murder, and all of those things have been pushed under the table. And, and that, you know, we're working with in solidarity with uh, First Nations within these cultural facilities to have those conversations about, about them and their past and their present and their future, and then align our um, past, our present and our future in solidarity with the Aboriginal as we, um, you know, look to make our presence within the mainstream of Australian um, arts and culture. Yeah. Yeah. Life seems so busy for you and it seems like it's been busy for the last 20 years. Um, so I'm, and I've noticed that here in Sydney, life can get pretty fast um, compared to New Zealand. And I'm sure um, you, you can connect to that. Um, so I'm just wondering, you know, when life does get too much and you've got a lot of projects going on at the same time, um, how do you practice self-care? Yeah, it's uh, uh, self-care and maintenance. Um, it, 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 it's hard because it's pressure. Um, but what I'm noticing as I'm getting older and older is that, um, it, you know, it's really easy for people to say stuff to you about this, this area, but it, it's always that whole thing. Uh, it's about your experience and your set of experiences. Uh, I'm learning more and more to turn the volumes down, you know, like when I, had, I met um, Angela Tia Tia last night, I was the first to show her work here in Australia and um, we've been really good friends, you know, the Samoan, we're like the Samoan arts and culture people, you know, trying to build capacity. You know, she used to always say to me, say, say ki lalo, you know, just tell them to ki lalo or you ki lalo, you know, and I think if you can't tell someone to turn it down and it's causing you pain and pressure within work, whether it's your colleagues, your peers, uh, what I noticed within the art world is my main problem was that um, quite a lot of the people didn't understand me. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they, they tend to belittle or they box us into these things. So I had to deal with a lot of that stuff and turning up to work and people tell me to, I'll go put on your vest, your security vest, and come here. And I said, um, look, um, I'm actually your boss. You know, I, I actually hired your company in that. General, general maintenance is, for me, I have to learn how to turn it down and to sweat the, sweat the big fish, not the small fish, but trying to find out which is the big fish and the small fish, you know, in a competitive um, area is difficult so i tend to um well i always pray <laughs> you know i always pray and i'm always being positive but I, I i think you have to put things into perspective that not everything's going to go your way 
um, things are going to feel like it's the, the ship is sinking, the world is about to end. It's not, you know, and that you have to really pull back. You have to have time off, um, you know, because it's coming too hard and it's coming too fast. It's aggressive and it's in its um, in how things are and it's affecting you. Um, yeah. For me, I just really ultimately end up realizing it's a small fish so it's trying to work out what is worth um you know and what isn't um yeah you're always going to have family pressures you know with us are more and if you're into it or you're part of it and then so many pressures coming from work and all of this and lifestyle i think it's it's great to always i like to slow keep things slow so that it doesn't go too fast and stress you out yeah and so you can grab it i always go and plant things one year ahead of time <laughs> that's how i think now yeah. i think in strategically five ten year plans so i always go to talk to someone one year before you know so there's a lot of different sort of um things that i learned from i guess like being navigators in the past what I can see from our history of navigation is that they applied basic science, watch and observe, <laughs> you know, mm. so I've watched and observed enough now that I don't have to take on the stress. Like my mum always said to me about my grand, about her father and her older or her younger brother was the Mackay and the Sattwa of the village. And she used to say to me, what would they know about life and and stuff they just jump on their horse and ride up to the mountain and and stay in the Maumanga all day you know and then they come home so I, I learned a lot from that story in that if you stress about it oh then you've chosen to stress about it so health care in that way is to actually start to recognize firstly who you are what you mean to everybody else and what they mean to you and actually what is important you know so People, I guess, will, in the worst of cases, struggle with small things all through their life, which weren't, wasn't unnecessary. You know, they made it bigger than it is. So I tend to myself uh, give myself a lot of time, a lot of distance and take it for what it is and don't take things too personally. As my boss used to say to me when things weren't right in the early days of the arts, you need to grow a thicker skin you know and i just heard that the other day from my partner and i said i'm not into growing a thicker skin i'm actually into just dealing with it now i just learned how to deal with it now but deal with it in a way that the stress or the anxiety of that you don't take on because it's sickening it's it's it makes people sick so i i also grew up in a catholic church but i also grew up reading all sorts of new age from Louise Hay to, you know, educating yourself more about things I believe really helps more reading. I believe I need to read more, uh, um, increase vocabulary to understand more. I, I, I need to um, understand more and increase my vocabulary and facade more in um, not only in the vocab but also in understanding the processes of Fasa Moa Anganu'u and Fa'amakai 
and that you know in the days where I grew up there was always um, the Mackays always there doesn't matter births deaths wedding the Mackay like clockwork comes out does all the laonga and all of that in the last 10 years 15 years I lost all my aunties or I lost all my uncles on my mother's side and my father's side and now there's no more Mackays only me so you know to um, add more pressure on that in terms of talking about healthcare, uh, it, it's really tough for to you know as Samoans to look at that whole balance of fat love love versus family needs as opposed to the extended family. So balances a lot, but a lot of my business uh, friends when I tell them you know and we talk about this area, they said. Oh, need to get a better job. You <laughs> need to increase making money. Rather than saying Fasar more is a problem, why don't you say that making money for you is a problem and you need to work on the money because if you can get better job, better opportunities, Fasar more and giving wouldn't be so much. So I guess from work pressure, Fasar more pressure, family pressure, you do I do apply the same thing to it is giving the right amount of distance and being confident in the answer. And that's it. That's all yeah. you can do is just tell them the truth, tell them how you feel, offload it, but don't take on any more pressure of it because it's not healthy. Yeah, no, hundred percent. What do you love most about the um, Sydney arts culture? What I love probably um, the first um, and foremost is that um it needs more Pacific and, and Samoan intervention. Mm. Uh, but I must say, um, like, man, honestly, like, the leading artists at the moment um, uh, of all the diverse community artists that are in there is um, Angela Tiatia, you know. She's been at the tip of the spear for a very long time. Not to say it's just her. There's We've got you know, hundreds of artists. What I like about the arts and culture sector is the capacity for more of us to be part of it. And mm. that I can see down the line, there's going to be more me's, there's going to be more Angela's, there's going to be more Greg Semmel's, there's mm. going to be more Michael Tuffery's, or, you know, there's so many um, new artists born here and artists still coming from New Zealand here and they're all congregating Southwest and West. They're all starting to learn where's where and the more that you know um more creative producers like myself um can come together to help support them is is good and last night i i was able to meet with a lot of my colleagues that were looking to um, build a vehicle to in terms of an association type of thing to um, assist our uh, Māori and Pacific Islanders in um, understanding the arts and culture sector and yeah. understanding everything. Yeah, no, awesome. Um, I'm so interested to know who inspires you because you've done some incredible work over the years, like as you've mentioned. So, um, yeah, who inspires you to carry on and, and, and be amazing? I guess... Um... Right, because I'm a DJ as well, and th th that thread went through this whole conversation as well. Yeah, I touched on that, but um, I grew up with um, at, 
in Mangere, in De La Salle, and in Frisian Drive, Mangere, where I used to live. Um, down the road, uh, another Samoan guy by the name of Manuel Martisi, or um, aka DJ Manuel Bundy, who was probably one of the legend DJs in New Zealand. He was one of big influences. I grew up with the Martisi family. Um, his mother and my mother were best friends. And um, the work that he has done in New Zealand as a DJ has opened a lot of doors for Pacific Islanders. And um, he, that whole energy, that whole motivation that he took on himself to be who he is, um, really inspired me. Um, I guess after that, um, my dad's work for um, the church really inspired me um, in that he wanted me to be a priest, but uh, <laughs> I failed that. But I feel that I'm doing similar work within this art sector. Yeah, so my mum, Manuel, and... Um, yeah, I, I think they're the people, and one of my uh, Jewish friends here, uh, Trent Roden, who runs um, Slingshot Touring. Um, I looked after a lot of um, hip-hop acts here. We basically, well, he, <laughs> he basically ran the hip-hop scene here for a good 20 years as a tourer. So he toured all the biggest acts you'll ever know, KRS-One to Moz Def. Talib Kweli, you name it, all of these guys, yeah, a lot of our people in New Zealand who are in the hip-hop game are from the grassroots, they listen to all of this music, same to here, and yeah. they, so yeah, these people have really influenced me to be who I am, I guess, in, in, yeah. in the work that I do. Love it, love it, awesome. Um, my final question for you today is, um, if you could have dinner with three people, dead or alive, who would they be? Well, I would be tempted to say Jesus or someone like that, you know? Yeah. Uh, can we go back on that? Or... Yeah, no, um, of course. probably Jesus Anybody. would be up there. Yeah. Uh, the, the second one next to that would probably be um, Tangaloa Langi. Uh, you know, um, the place that Tangaloa Langi um, plays in the um, the Polynesian world is enormous. And a lot of our um, Maori and Pacific Islanders are starting to really see the data and the information from ourselves as we tell our own stories about the same progenitor God. Um, you know, trying to, it, it would be nice to have a table and sit there and um, to have a talk to him and about his two kids. Um, Le new and Le Fau, and how they kind of like found everything. Yeah. For no. all of us. So that's all three? Yeah, there's four there. So <laughs> Jesus, um, Tangaloa Langi, and his uh, two sons, uh, Le new and Le Fau. It would be yeah. good because they're all, they're, they, they play massive parts for our Pacific or our Polynesian Samoan people. That's, okay, you can, <laughs> you can have as many people as you want, actually. Um, no, but, do it. 
<laughs> That's been awesome. Um, I actually can't wait to meet in person sometime. I would absolutely love to. Um, and I just want to say thank you so much for making time for my podcast today. It's been amazing learning more about you and actually um, being able to connect a few, on a few things, like us being from South Auckland, for starters. Um, but, yeah, it's been amazing. Do you have any final words or do you have any advice for any creatives out there? Yeah, sure. Um, if you want to be a creative, one, get a job first. Find yeah. a job. All right. The, uh, what I see is um, it's people tend to, you know, associate art with, you know, a lot of things, but um, it has to be associated to having a job first. It will help. It will help you in terms of, you know, having the ability to fund your own stuff. So um, understanding the sector, understanding how it works, and then moving away back from it to stand for me. What I've learned is you've got to have some sort of um, financial backing to kind of like start it up to, to make works. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, two is uh, if you're going to be a creative and that you, you really need to get out into the spaces. You really need to visit cultural facilities. You really need to go and see people's artwork. You can't just wave a magic wand and say you're an artist and run off into it without understanding and seeing and surveying the area and to understand the literacy, how everything works. And yeah. um, just as important in that is believing in yourself because it's a lonely space. You know, I find, you know, people can be so negative. Artists, they're competitive, right? So everyone's competing for the same funds from the same gallery. You know, everyone's jumping over everyone. That's how it is and it's real. So... Be confident in who you are. Be confident in what you do and just do what you do. Don't get distracted by everybody else in that way or the negative, yeah. I should say. Because there's a lot of negativity generally in life and people, you know, they're free to say what they want. But, you know, you've got to place yourself around good people. Like for me, I'm always looking for mentors, people that, you know, that can assist me. You know, I'm looking at people that are above me, you know, that know how to make money, that know, that can teach me stuff about how to make money in this area, you know, so business concepts and business plans and strategies and that, you know, once you've got what you, what you want to do, look up and survey the area and have a strategy and a business plan and um, believe in yourself and enjoy yourself enjoy the journey it's not so much the destination it's the journey and the people that you meet is 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 beautiful and one last thing and that i hear quite a lot and from my peers and in um, creatives cultural workers and arts is that you you run into this whole area of when you when you do what you do and then you see you're not getting recognition by people don't worry about it <laughs> Do what you do for you and your audience. Don't do what you do to gain acceptance from the, the system, acceptance from the facilities, or acceptance from this. I would prefer uh, to, to come across that um, it's better to do what you wanted to do 
in the way that you wanted to do it so that your artistic and intellectual property is at the forefront of everything and don't worry about what people think of your work because they're all going to tell you and as I was saying to my partner the other day when I say it a lot is that you know some people's artwork is some people's treasure and some people's artwork is just a, is tempe tip is a it's junk it, it yeah. you know, your work will do what it does and intended what it did for how it was created for other people so whether you're a producer or whether you're a, a writer or artist multidisciplinary thing don't do it to to make people happy or or to you know all of that sort of jazz i know i've been guilty of it in the past but i quickly learned that art making is for getting messages across and that it will help somebody and you don't have to win awards and all of that is your artwork is linking your message to a healthier environment in the space by giving the right sort of messages to help people that's how i see it it it's linked to yeah. mental health it's linked to education and anything mm. that comes from it is is great whether it's financial or 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 being known or famous or that i, I suggest that do it for the art making and the messaging because we're not here for long 100%. Oh, I love that. It's all about the message. It's all about the um, intention behind, you know, your heart behind the creative work. That's amazing. Thank you so much for making time for me again. Um, I really appreciated you sharing your story, your experiences and your wisdom um, on my platform. It's been an honor having you and I hope to connect in person very soon because you seem awesome. Yep. I'll um, stay in touch and then I'll send you stuff about, um, you know, um, things that are going on, projects that we're doing, other events that's happening in all local government areas that are Pacific. Um, yeah, uh, thank you for having me on your uh, talks as well. And I would like to wish you and all the um, podcast listeners an awesome day and an awesome year. And towards 2023, get out there and get it. It's all good. <laughs>